Hi, this is Melissa Wood Tepperberg, and this is the Move with Heart podcast. Are you ready? <laughs> and just breathe it all in. I want to talk. I can't lie. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be short, sweet, and very spicy. And we're going to get right into it because apparently some of you think I talk too much. <laughs> I did a meditation and so did Noah by himself. Very impressive. Zero influence, unless it was like. I think I think he. I I had to do it before this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's before this, or yeah, make sure you're focused (laughs) to like be on the same wavelength as you two. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple minutes of meditation on my own, you know. We're so happy Those that you've know us joined. know that know that Melissa and I always try to get Noah to jump on our our wellness bandwagon as much as we can, even without all the tools. He's stronger than the both of us in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's so true. It's so annoying. But yeah. okay, you two. First of all, the fact that I both got you here is pretty impressive on my part. Or I still don't know what I am going to owe for this. But you guys are my favorite, like my favorite men. And what I love even more than like you individually is your relationship. It's one of the most special relationships I've ever witnessed, truly. And to have this opportunity to really share more about how you guys do everything you do is it's an honor and a privilege to have you both. We love being here. Thank you. Yeah. So we just got off the plane from Miami and we're, uh, we're excited to be here. Good. I'm so happy to have you. So I find the, like how you guys met and how you started working together, one of the most interesting stories. So I think that was probably one of the most asked questions when I asked people to. So if you can share really from both of your perspectives, though, because they're so different when I hear them from both of you. I told this story four times in Miami, by the way. This you did? Weekend, yeah. okay. We get asked this one a lot, yeah. actually. It's really good. So. Yeah, we try to give a different answer every time. So <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever know the real story about us. Who wants to take it away first? Why don't I, I'll say how I, I first met you and you see if, you, if it was a different perspective. Okay. I was playing uh, high school football. That was my entire life at Riverdale here in New York. I thought my whole life was football. So being the captain of the team, I had to, I was tasked with doing the homecoming party. And instead of doing it at somebody's house, like it normally always was, that was always broken up by like some cops or some parents calling it in. I decided to trick an Irish pub owner on the Upper West Side that I was a Columbia grad student and that I needed to throw a graduate party for Columbia uh, students. So he ended up giving me the bar. He was in the back. I was able to charge a cover at the door and invite all of the kids for the homecoming party, all the alumni, all the kids. Um, and I was, I, the summer before I had gone to a football camp. So I met all the other captains of other football teams. So I invited all the other schools. So I had about eight, 900 people in this Irish pub on the Upper West Side for my first time I've ever dove into like nightlife or doing anything. And I was 18 years old. My, Co-captain was collecting the door. He was about 5'11", 250 pounds, and he was collecting $5 at the door, $10, whatever it was. And I was inside, and he said, uh, we got about 15 guys outside that want to come in. We're at capacity, and we don't know these guys. So I came out at the door, and that's when I met Noah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that true? I think that was the first time we actually had met in person. But Jason's being very politically correct here. <laughs> Just give it um, to us. I think other people called that group of 15 a gang, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a group of 15 guys that um, were not invited to the party and were kind of there crashing. And as the uh, politician I, I am, I was tasked with being the spokesperson or negotiator. And I had to uh, negotiate our way in with Jason and his uh, his door guy, Thinks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That was uh, that was the first time we met. Yeah, you got to understand the brevity of this. We were in our hush puppies and our Gap sweaters, and Noah was in a Raider starter jacket with 15 guys that looked like they could tear the place apart. So that's the brevity of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, we made it in. Everything was good. And, um, you know, I, I knew who Jason Strauss was after that. 
<laughs> and uh, we had been hearing each other's names yeah. through like mutual friends. I had friends that went to his school. We were both throwing parties. You know, I had been promoting clubs in downtown. Jason was the, uh, you know, Riverdale guy that knew all the older uh, Riverdale students. And after that night, we started to talk. And, and I think I approached him about combining forces on a party that we would kind of get our, our two different crowds together. It was also for. older promoters seeing that you could do it and we can do it. And before then, there wasn't really IDing at the door. So they were doing high school parties, college parties, and they put us together. So Jay and I started working together 30 years ago around this month. So it's probably really? our anniversary. We were seniors, the seniors in high school. Uh, I was 17. And uh, I think one of the first parties we did was a prom party. It was mm -hmm. the after prom party for a prom Jason was going to. Mm -hmm. And I convinced him to uh, make a deal to bring everybody from this prom to the a place I was working, coordinating prom parties at, you know, for different schools. Country Club, Upper East Side. Yep. And then from, and he didn't even show up. He I sent his brother up. Matt uh, to, <laughs> to collect his uh, money and he took a limo to the Hamptons. But, but it was okay. Enough kids showed up that we were fine. And then from there, we just started talking. We both, uh, we, you know, we, we found places to promote together. We were doing things separately, but we kept running into each other. Then we got to college um, in the fall of 93 and realized that we both had a lot of mutual friends, a lot of new mutual friends friends, kids mm -hmm. that we met in our dorms and our fraternities. Well, when he went to Miami University, I went to Boston University, a majority of our fraternity came from the tri-state area. We were just drawn to like being together. And we had like, when you got there, like the kids from Long Island or Westchester found the kids from New York and vice versa. So when right. we both landed there, our friend, our fraternity brothers, our pledge brothers were all friends. So we were keeping in touch that way and like kind of realizing that we had a lot of college friends that were going to be our friends for a long time. So when was the moment, though, that I know there was one story that is the best story you have to share it when you had like you threw a party together and then when it came to collecting the money at the end, there was a bit of an issue. No, it was yeah. more than that. It was, but, but that you're, was getting like a, the, you're getting yeah. the drama of it. What happened was and you'll, you'll take over half of it. But uh, when we came home for New Year's Eve, instead of going with our parents to like some trip like the rest of our friends, we stayed in an older promoter put us together. Yeah. And uh, his name was Paul. I yeah. won't mention the last name. I was about to do it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he put us together. There was a place was called Mr. Fuji's Tropicana. And he said, why don't you throw um, a New Year's Eve party for the college kids that stayed? And we were just freshmen. We were still pledging at the time. And this is only about six months after we first met. Yeah, so this is right. so we barely first knew semester kind of freshman year of college, probably the first big event that we combined forces for. Right. And we're 18, 19 years old at the time. Yeah. So we, we, this older promoter puts us together, sell these tickets, sell out this club for the kids that don't go away for New Year's Eve, whose parents can't take them to Aspen or whatever was going on then. And we ended up saying, okay, we decided to do the party. And we had, we realized we had this whole collegiate network now, like just by tapping into our fraternities and what we knew before. And we sold the tickets really fast and really quick. We sold out so fast that people started calling the venue directly, right. trying to figure out if they could get in. And the venue, unbeknownst to us, was planning to close. So the smart or scumbag club say, owner at the time, not mm. very smart. Mm -hmm. So the venue started to sell their own tickets and they kept selling their own tickets. And what ended up happening was about 2,000 people showed up for a venue that only held 1,000. And at 11.45 that night, the fire marshal showed up, closed the entire place Actually down. declared it the biggest fire hazard in the history of the United States. <laughs> Shut us down, and there was 2,000-plus kids on the street at kissing midnight. their girlfriends at midnight, in the, in, and it was snowing to add insult to injury. Th thinking it was all Jason and, and who Noah. who the hell are Jason and Noah? Who uh. oversold a party and ruined their night. So Jason and I, the next morning, woke up with lots of angry calls. People were really upset. They all wanted. We were their, shook. They all wanted their money back, and you know, rather than kind of like point fingers at the other one or try and make excuses, we um, we made a plan to give everyone their money back. And you know, I didn't blame Jason, or and he didn't blame me. We 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 stood together, and that was how our our. our 
our amazing partnership started through an amazing tragedy mm-hmm. where we just realized we could trust each other and that we had the same values. You know, the fact that we both agreed to return everyone's money and lose all that we had invested in the party, I think was the real foundational moment for us where we really kind of realized, you know, okay, this is the kind of person I want to work with. And we were kids, but you know, from there it grew and grew and we started running clubs all, all over. Um, well, all well, stop, stop there for a minute. Cause it wasn't fully that like, obviously in the tragedy created the trust, but so we went back to our respected colleges. We became brothers in our fraternities and we went on the summer soon came and I went to go get an internship and I'm about to start getting an internship. Noah goes, hey, let's start throwing parties again. I go, Noah, no one's going to come to our parties again. We were laughing stocks. We ruined so many people's New Year's Eves. He's like, no, we're famous for throwing one of the most famous parties in college history. Let's try it. I go, there's no way anyone's going to come. So we started throwing a party at like a place called China Club or one of these yeah. places. And sure enough, I didn't get a summer internship that job because we started doing four nights a week. And that was our summer job for the next four years in college. Yeah. Jason was definitely shook up. And, and <laughs> we shook. I, I feel like all throughout college, I kind of had to keep pushing Jason to like to do more and more. Sounds familiar. Today, Nothing's 30 changed. years later. <laughs> fast forward to our senior year, Jason actually was ready to. Uh, is, I was out by the senior year, I was pushing you to own a place. No, but were, senior year of college, you had already taken a job. You had accepted a job selling home theaters for Adam Frank, mm-hmm. a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically badgering you into doing, uh, into promoting full-time. And you actually decided not to take the job. And no, I, I showed up for this job like for three days, and he was thinking about going to uh, law school. To you grad were, school. To grad school yeah. and law you school. You were? Yeah. yeah. No, you were in law know school. That. You were thinking about law school. I was thinking about law, but I had enrolled at, at Baruch. He would have been get an amazing lawyer, by the way. He's kind of, <laughs> he kind of and we both just decided <laughs> to put our, our plans on hold within weeks of, of our, you know, returning back to New York after college. And, and but my thing too was like, all of our friends just went back to college. The only ones that are left are the seniors. They all have to work. No one's going to come. And then again, we did it and they came and people came and we figured out ways. And we started doing a Tuesday night with some older promoters that were in town. And we started doing a, still a college party Friday. And we're, and then we're like, all right, we'll do it for a year. And our parents were like, what are you guys doing? I know, doing? that's what I just what are wanted your, to ask you. My mom is like, we did we just put you through be you for all that. And I'm sure Noah's mom was giving him a tough time knowing Noah's mom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Our parents were not very happy that we decided to kind of go Liability. What if somebody slips and falls? Nightclubs full-time, you know, right out of college. They had just put us through four years of private college. And, you know, they, they they were not thrilled. But I think both Jason and I were able to make enough money within the first few months of doing that full-time that we actually... Both bought our own apartments in New York City. Um, How old were you? We, I was 22. I was actually 20, still 21. No, you're, you're younger. And Jay was yeah, 22. Too. And we yeah. both put deposits down on studio co-ops in doorman buildings in downtown Manhattan. And I think our parents were like, wow, like they both realized like that's pretty impressive for our kids at this age to not only have earned and saved enough money, but to have the, to think responsibly that they're not going to just go out and like buy a car or spend the money on a trip that they actually wanted to invest in real estate. But that so, from, from that point on, we were like full on into this. We yeah. were fully, and we took all, both of our studio apartments and turned them into offices. We had three yeah. or four people working in them at all times doing phone calls. There was no emails back then. There was no social media. So it was all phone calls and collecting numbers at your last party and then inviting people back in this whole sort of grassroots way we were we were garnering all these people together. <laughs> I love this part yeah. of it. That's what yeah. I wanted to ask you because it was so different when you started and what the like creative concept was because I've seen some of the invites that are literally 30 years old that you still have saved Noah. How did you guys like creatively come up with like the concepts for the invites because I think knowing you both now and like understanding how you work together I would argue that you're both amazing at marketing. Like, it's just like you have this understanding of what called people in. So like, what was the methodology behind like 
getting people to come. It was all really intuition. You know, it was just having good intuition to know sort of where where people would want to go, what places on what nights, and sort of putting together the right packaging that would help, you know, make them want to go like week after week. So whether it was having the right teams of promoters or having DJs, understanding the location, knowing how much you could charge. Like we had this intuition at a really early age that enabled us to really, you know, kind of create these events that, that people would come to. And and what was wild is that we always thought we weren't going to do well. We always thought that we would have like low attendance or, or, you know, the, the venue wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't work. And the more we doubted ourselves, the better we did. And it was, well, that came, that came with our work ethic. Like that, that created the work ethic. Yeah. Cause we always thought we were going to like not, not figure it out. But you know, to Noah's point also, we had the instinct, but it came from, if we weren't doing a party, we were going to five other parties. If we weren't at a party, we were looking at what the older guys were doing. If we weren't at a party, we were flying to Ibiza with whatever money we had left, which we barely had any money after we paid for our apartments to go to Ibiza <laughs> and took 15, 20 flyers at the, you know, in, in town and then came back and tried to figure out our own way of like doing it. There's also not a good idea you can't copy sometimes. So we would do our own versions of it. I have been raving about Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic since it came out because it works. This is a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic, you guys. This really gets things flowing, if you know what I mean. And we've got to have that flow that is just essential in life. And this is a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. This has systemic benefits beyond the gut. And it is a two-in-one capsule, like I said, that protects probiotics through digestion to ensure delivery to the colon. And I can ensure you that it gets delivered to the colon and beyond. So what does this daily symbiotic do for you? Well, this is the first in seeds pipeline of scientifically validated products. This is important because it's not just a probiotic. It is a pre and probiotic capsule for adults that supports digestive health, gut barrier integrity, gut immune function, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. And both Benjamin and Eleanor take their PDS-08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic, which is also amazing. You guys know I love seed because it really works. And if you are looking to start a new healthy habit today, you can visit seed.com slash MWH and use code MWH20 to redeem 20% off your first month of Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic or the PDS08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash MWH and use code MWH20. And I will also let you know another thing I love about Seed is that when you first sign up, you get the bottle and every month you get the 30-day supply in a recyclable container and it's just better for the planet and better for your health. I feel like you guys to this day like you're always like you're just always thinking and seeing things yeah. and Jason, Jason and I traveled a lot when we were like in our early 20s mm-hmm. and I think you know we would just kind of like get on a plane and you know hop hop go to LA go to London go to cities where where we would get inspired where we would go out we would you know meet other people in the industry we would just go to venues and I think even to this day that's one of the things that that it's kind of kept us going these last 30 years is we're, we're always willing to like jump on a plane, go somewhere new, you know, go, go get ideas. You know, when we travel, even at, you know, 
at, at this stage in the game where, where at least half of, half of us have children. Like we're still, we're still <laughs> out and about. We're waiting for that one. So we're still out and about, even when we're, you know, traveling, looking for, for inspiration, for, for new, new, creating new places, creating new concepts. To look at the full circle. We were just in Miami now. And one of the first nightclubs we went to Miami for inspo was Mint. And we walked by and Mint is still there 30 years later. Or way, maybe 25 years later. It's still Mint. there. Yeah. I remember. But going he up. was in Miami before him. But when yeah. we started going together after we became like, we treated this like a business. Yeah. It's still there. Like right. we walked by there. We, we, were, we were walking down. Uh, yeah. It was like, what road is that? Washington. Washington. And we're just like, I can't believe this fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're... Now we're opening our first opening place, your in, Miami. First place yeah. in Miami. Yeah, finally that Miami. That is full circle. It's, uh, I think it's full circle for Noah since he went to Miami and cut his teeth a lot. He was vanning and funneling and shipping people in from Miami University and having like the top football players that all ended up becoming like the biggest NFL players all coming in to do all sorts of events down there. So for him to finally have his venue there, it really is, a, yeah. you know, a true story to like the the, yeah. the narrative of how yeah, he started. When we open Casa Donna next month, it's definitely going to be full circle for me. Mm-hmm. 26 years after I graduated. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think we're going to open up anything in Boston, so I'll enjoy Miami with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never we know. We are going back. We do go to Boston. Yeah, we're time. going to Boston tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. When you were first traveling, Noah, you've like told me stories that you guys like would stay in, like you'd have to like get rooms because you didn't have enough money for your own hotel rooms. Can I share that? Jason and I used to share (laughs) hotel rooms. Not beds, but rooms. Not beds. I remember the first time, the first couple, I mean, Mm. listen, the first time we went to LA, we got a room at the Mondrian, Mm -hmm. right? It was a way to help make sure we can get into Sky Bar. And we, I remember sharing, was the hottest club. It was a Randy Gerber owned bed. I remember sharing a room and we got the bed that they had a bedroom and they had a couch with a pullout bed. <laughs> Who got the pullout? I think I took the pullout that first trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, How do we remember this? <laughs> um, and I remember the first time we went to Vegas, it was actually Jason, Andrew, and I, three of us together, Andrew Sasson and I, and Jason. Well, Andrew became a hospitality owner in hospitality. That's how long ago. The three of you. Three of us. It was a suite, but still, it was three of us sharing it because at the time, you know, the, those types of business expenses were were things that we we were really careful about. Mm-hmm. We we um, you know, <laughs> we've come a long way. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you? I think like to even wrap my head around how you took it from, you know, throwing parties to opening your first venue together, which was. What was the name the of Conscious it? Point. First Conscious point. venue that we opened as owners was called Conscious Point. Yeah. Yes. And what was the first place in the city? Luan. Luan. And Luan was a great restaurant, though. I mean, a great lesson for us because it was a restaurant that we ended up doing with the Baldwin brothers. And it was us, you know, being young guys that were able to fill up clubs, but then thinking we could fill up a restaurant and learning the ins and outs of how difficult the restaurant business is. And when I went to Boston University and they teach nine out of 10 restaurants fail within the first year, you never think that's going to be you. Mm -hmm. But we got smacked in the face and hit in the stomach really hard early where we learned how tough that business is. And we failed within the first year of opening up our first restaurant. And we put a lot of our personal money in. I think Noah's dad used to joke that it was like our graduate school that we paid for because we learned so much. And that was a really big lesson and a, and a big lesson in humility because we, we, we failed pretty badly. I don't think I've ever really heard you guys share that story. Yeah, we always, we always talk about it when we talk at Harvard and some of our other, you know. Yeah, people say, do you ever have any, do you, ever, do you, do you, yeah, you miss Do you guys all? ever fail? And we always say, yeah. I mean, the first real place that we did in Manhattan was, I mean, it was a failure by our standards, right? Because it wasn't profitable. You know, it was publicly very popular, very trendy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the time it had a really chic crowd. People love going there. But for us, it was a failure. We, we actually, uh, not only did we not make money when we, when we ended, we, we didn't even make our investment back. So Jay and I always talked about like that that was our sort of version of grad school. We always said, you know, Luan, while it was, you know, great lesson, you know, it was expensive. So how do you come from facing a failure like that to deciding like you're going to keep going? 
I think this was one of the biggest questions people asked. Well, was, you know, after we had that failure, we started. We still were working, doing parties, and at the time, soon after, we uh, we got approached by a lot of. Uh, corporate people to do, corporate companies to do events, launch brands, integrate the brands into different uh, ways. And we started doing liquor marketing promotions and got really good at that. And then we were also doing promotion. We, we sort of slowed down on the nightclub stuff, built a liquor marketing company, an events company, and sort of um, corporate promotions company. But then other uh, nightclub owners came to us with opportunities. And then with Sweet, Sweet, Sweet 16 was our opportunity to do another ultra lounge again, where we had taken some time off, built this sort of side business as a marketing company and had another shot to get back in like sort of an ownership partnership with another group. And that was a smash success. It was a small little lounge on 16th Street, and uh, we took it over. My brother was the GM. And, Sweet, 16. Uh, Sweet 16. That was the first club I ever stepped foot in in New York. Oh, really? Yeah. We didn't even know you then. Yeah. And I remember walking in and seeing two famous people and being like, it was, what? It was, it was like 2,000 square feet or probably smaller and was packed seven nights a week. And that really kind of brought us back into that world and showed us that we could do more and more and more. And, uh, you know. I think Jason and I had this this sort of mantra when we were in our early 20s, even mid-20s, and really like building our business, mostly in New York, a little bit in the Hamptons, where every year we felt like we had to like up our game. You know, we had to do something bigger and better. And we were driven by that as much as we were by any financial sort of reward. So we always, you know, we always approached our business strategy from that perspective. Like, okay, what are we going to do this year that's bigger and better than what we did yeah, last year? Yeah, we held year. each other accountable and, and we would and, have those and, conversations. And by, 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 by thinking that way, you know, the, the financial side of the business always flourished as well, but it was always about just trying to push ourselves and do bigger projects and, 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 and take on, you know, challenge ourselves. And, you know, and it wasn't just business. It was, you know, you know, we used to rent houses that we would, you know, share beds. And oh then, God, those then share we, houses Then we stories. bought our own house and, <laughs> and turned that into a, our own. Those share houses then, bought us our first know, house. We, you know, <laughs> we used to promote So what it. did you do? You... We used to promote it venues and then it became, well, let's own our own venues. And then we had a small venue and then it was like, okay, let's do a big venue. And that's when Marquee came because at that point we had owned a couple of smaller clubs in New York and we're like, okay, now it's time to go big, right? And we found a fairly large space. And at that moment for us, you know, raising a couple million dollars was was a much bigger task than anything we had done before. But we we knew that that was, you know, we had to keep pushing ourselves. So we we took this space and, hey, 20 years later, it's still rocking. And well, he's talking about Marquee, obviously. Hey, a tell us the Marquee garden, story, you guys. A garbage oh. truck garage on, uh, on, on 10th Avenue in an area that was desolate, that was just broken down warehouses and tenement housing. And it was... Uh, it was really the Wild West. There was we. There was a small was little West. Line. It was West Chelsea, and it was, and outer it was, Chelsea. Outer it was Chelsea. really like an area that you know, not many people, not many businesses were open there. And Jay and I were, um, you know, we were pretty ambitious. You know, we thought, you know what, but we, we had been looking around for a long time for a space. We hadn't been able to find it, and then this fell in our lap, which was on the outskirts. But go ahead. And yeah, we kind of had the. We took the approach, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? And mm -hmm. we, we just figured if we build something great, people would come. And, you know, it's been uh, it's been an amazing run. I, I definitely, you know, credit Marquis, first and foremost, for meeting you and <laughs> and being the, 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 <laughs> the true, true launching pad of our, our really, like, our true, like, adult professional career. I think everything we did up to, up to Marquis, while it was fun and mostly profitable it was it wasn't at the level that that marquee was and that really put us on a new level on a new map you know it opened the doors for us to to then also you know partner with with mark packer and, and rich and and do tau and go to vegas and everything else but you know the the concept behind marquee really was how do we take all of these things that we've done now and do it on a bigger stage? And that's really what, what, what got us there. And, you know, I think, um, 
and all the learnings we had from going to all the clubs, we, we applied mm-hmm. all that there. You got to understand, when we first walked into Marquis, our lawyer, Ron, uh, Ron Fishman, got us the listing. It had no roof. There was 15 pigeons flying in. There was no water in there. There was it was, a it was, it was just a completely rough space. And we started to raise money for it hand to mouth, point by point, going to people. And um, halfway through the project, we realized that the way to really compete in New York was to do two floors and have a hip-hop room and a house room, which was the smartest move we did. But to put that mezzanine and get a structural engineer to build a mezzanine was an extra, how much at the time? A couple hundred grand. A couple hundred grand that we didn't have. And we were almost at the point where we couldn't finish the job, where we were literally really looking for people. And one or two people came in last minute. We finished the job. The beauty of the story is we paid back all the investors in 11 months, which was a major win. And one of those investors was Mark Packer, the owner of Tau Group, and he was so amazed by what the we time do. It was Tau Restaurant. Tau Restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Tau Tau yeah. Restaurant. He was so intrigued by the return and sort of our work ethic and what we were able to do marketing wise and bringing people that that was the the move forward to go to Vegas with him to do Tau. That's what brought you to Vegas. Where do you credit your worth ethics? For me, I and no one knows this, and you know this. I have dramatic dyslexia. Barely got through school got through school by the whim and through just finding ways up and around it, which is what most people I've learned from that have dyslexia go through. Mm -hmm. So the whole time I was in school, I was like, what, how am I ever going to survive out there with this? So when we found something I could be passionate about and connect with, and have a partner like him that could handle who could help write his emails, right? (laughs) Half my emails, right? (laughs) Good point. Um, It was like, this is the only path. So you have to do, you have to be, you know, selfless about it and have, you know, that ethic, work ethic in it. I think I get my work ethic from my family. You know, I think always, my parents always push me to, to, you know, to, to be an achiever and to be, you know, just really good at whatever it was that I wanted to do, to find things that I liked and just try and be great at them. And I definitely think that's where I got it. So taking a look at the big picture of like opening your first places to now fast forwarding to where you guys are today and how many venues you have, can you say? Almost 80. Almost 80 venues. How many employees? 6,000 in the U.S., roughly about 500 in the U.K. And, you know... And we're in 26 cities. Tw- you know, tons of other people that work with us around the world in different capacities. Mm-hmm. So 6,500 actual employees at the moment with Tau Group. There's so many others <laughs> oh in, in, like, other capacities working with right. us as independent contractors and partnerships. So just taking that in, I feel like even for myself with... Like having a business now, I always say it's helped me understand you more and really both of you. And I mean, I can't even imagine the undertaking of that. Like, where do you find in your dynamic that it works? Like being able to be partners for this long and deal with all the challenges that come on a day-to-day basis but to be able to like persevere and continue to move forward and like like each other because you guys are best friends. Like you guys talk every single day. You like to be with each other. Like it's so much more than just like a working relationship. I think understanding each other's like strengths and weaknesses is really, I think, the key part to, to having a great partnership, you know, knowing what Jason's good at and pushing him to, kind of focus on what he's good at and knowing where I have to compliment him on what he's not good at and vice versa, I think is what creates a good partnership. And then, you know, I just think there's such a unique history, you know, just starting something so young, like literally 17, 18 years old together and like kind of staying with it and having so many different partners and so many ups and downs, so many wins and losses that when you've kind of gone that long and you're still with that same person that, you know, it just creates a bond, a bond, like a real bond. And, and, you know, you, we've just become a team, you know, and, and what we always say in our, what makes a great team is people that accentuates Every, each other's positives and eliminates everyone's negatives, negatives or weaknesses. and that's what we right. do you know but it's also like you know all the wins if you didn't have somebody to share it with at the level we were at 
it doesn't, it, it, it wouldn't even equate to the gratitude, the gratification of getting the wins. From us <laughs> handing out flyers to now having this many venues around the country, around the world, is it's, really just, an, it, it's incredible. Um, but the way I think we manage is that we have been in all those positions. We were bartenders, we were doormen, we were managers. And so when we manage down, we know what it's like to be at that level and then grow, because we've grown it from the, from the beginning. My die-hard love for this product is so real. You guys have heard me rave about Array bloat supplement for a really long time, and nothing has changed because I'm just so obsessed with this product. And the reason is because it works. It is so clean. The ingredients are minimal. It literally consists of bromelain, ginger root, lemon balm, dandelion root, peppermint, slippery elm. And I will tell you that this little concoction is the formula to get things moving, if you know what I mean. The Array Bloat Supplement helps to optimize digestion, ease that uncomfortable bloated feeling, and it really just speeds up the breakdown of all the things that we're consuming. And I just have to say, it is also, it's vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, filler-free, nut-free, everything-free, you guys. And it works, like really, really works. I take anywhere from two to three whenever I'm feeling uncomfortable. In the evening, after a meal, I have it with a little bit of tea before bed, and it works like magic. You wake up in the morning, and you feel like a different person. The code for a discount is move with heart. That's no spaces. And this can be used on array.com. That's A R R A E.com at the checkout for 15% off or for 25% off the first month of subscription. I can't say it enough. I know I've said it a lot, but I'm absolutely in love with this product. And the truth is, it's because it's effective and it works wonders. Don't trust me. Definitely try it on for yourself and experience some real movement, if you know what I'm saying. And what point did you know that someone, aka Jason, had to go to Vegas? And how was that decision that was, made? That was a bit of a conspiracy. That was a big conspiracy. I was against Jason. We have such a booming thing going on in New York that yeah, at the time Mar- Marquis couldn't have been hotter. That that Marquis, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't both leave. And I said to, I remember saying, if if you want to do Vegas, then you're going to be the one that has to go and spend the bulk of the time out there and I'll stay here in New York and I'll help, you know, I'll, I'll step up and spend more time at Marquee and, and Jason had the vision, you know, he was, he was the one who really saw the opportunity in Vegas and, and said, you know what, I'll, I'll step up, I'll go out there, I'll get it done. And here we are almost, you know, 20 years later, he's still, yeah, there was a couple of times that Vegas. deal to go with Vegas with Mark went sideways. It almost didn't happen a few times. Cause I don't think Noah, really had the passion for it. It was going to be a lot of work. And I just, I had seen what was happening out there. I think I'd maybe done one more trip or something connected with me. And uh, I pushed him to do it. And it kind of got to the point where he's like, well, if we do it, you're the one that's going to take the lead and go out there and live there. And I was supposed to live there for three months. What? And, uh, 19 yeah. years later. And then 19 years, years later, I'm still a resident of Las Vegas, Nevada. It wasn't that I didn't want to go to Vegas or I didn't see the vision. I just was so nervous to, to lose what we had. To, to, to risk what we had to do in New York. Yeah, and fair. I knew that my, our personal presence was so critical at that time to, to our success. And I w- I've always been the one to like kind of, you know, the 
bird in the hand, you know, like to is, is. But that's what a lot of young entrepreneurs make the mistake of. They all think it's them. It's them. You have to be there. You have to be there and not delegating down to create the layers to like do the handoff, which is what I think both of us were nervous about, about the expansion. It's like something I think every young entrepreneur goes through letting go. And Noah was just toiling with that at the time. Yeah. But that's also, you know, we, I remember specifically saying, if you go to Vegas, I need, I need to, I need help sort of filling some of the the stuff you did day to day. That's when we brought Rich Thomas in to be like a full time mm-hmm. part of the team. And you said, "All right, well, I'm going to take Goldberg with me to Vegas." So we we kind of had two people yeah. that had been working side by side with us together up until that time. And Jake took one to Vegas that are still a part of the And Rich stayed yeah, in New York. The company. And the plan was originally for Andrew Goldberg to stay in Vegas, and Jay was going to come back. And when Jason decided to stay there, I said, "Well, you got to send Goldberg back." So mm-hmm. I I actually and then I asked you for my brother and my brother elevated two <laughs> elevated two people. And that ended up, you know, kind of not filling in for Jason, but just sort of being people that I could delegate the stuff that I had previously delegated to Jason. And and that's how Andrew and Rich came into sort of the fold with me day to day early on. So, you know, it was definitely. That was a big step for us to like separate, not Mm -hmm. be together and then find find new people to layer in what we did and fill in the holes. And then I think that gave us the confidence to bring that model and have the confidence to do more and more and then obviously grow the company. What do you love most about each other? Like what's your hey, you favorite want it, You thing? want me to give the whole speech I gave favorite? at the wedding? Actually, you want me to go no, through I really that? do. I, I could probably Just so recite you know, some I of almost <laughs> brought the gift that you gave us after the wedding, which Jason, this was the sweetest gift. He printed his entire speech, by the way, that he... Literally spoke from his heart. No, no notes. No notes, nothing. And it was hands down. Noah, I think you can definitely best back wedding. this the up. Best wedding speech it of was all time. Probably one of the, the best, high, highlight of my life. <laughs> it was the best speech I think I've ever heard. It yeah. also inspired me very much ever since. Mm. Now when I speak, I don't, I really don't read or hold cards anymore. Well, you you got to give yourself, you got to give it the respect it deserves to memorize it or at least have the flow or the key points. If if it's a moment like that for both of you, if I couldn't give you guys the respect to like do it that way, then that was like, I shouldn't have been the guy. Right. That's kind of how I feel too, which I understand. It's scary. It's scary to get up and to really oh, I, was, I was I was fully hyperventilating beforehand. <laughs> I ran in the back area. I had full breath work going on. Even back then I was doing breath work and uh, got through it. Did you, you took a shot, right? No, I just took a shot right after. Oh, right after. I'd That's never good. been so drunk after. I went all in after. <laughs> so what no, was the I, original question? I, I just think it's such an interesting dynamic that you guys have. And the fact that you, I mean, I've never, I've never seen you like fight or argue. I mean, you'll have differences, but we, it's we, just, we'll, we'll bicker, but we'll bicker got, like brothers. Yeah, we'll but you guys like are, you just have a, great respect for one another and i think because when you bled in the trenches for this long (laughs) how else are you gonna be (laughs) but what do you like what is it about jason that even to this day after all these years you're like he's still your guy i mean i think it really it comes it just comes down to to 100 you know trust and loyalty you know at the end of the day jason's the one person that i know like no matter what, will never, you know, will never, um, he'll, he'll never screw me over. Like he'll always be loyal and I can always trust him. And I think in business, you know, it's just really so hard to find that in a partner. So when you do, you just have to hold on to it. Yeah. I think the history sets the whole tone for the trust, the respect. And I'm in awe of him every day of what he does in awe. And I then my role is really just to kind of like support him as a consigliere because I know him so well. Like sometimes give gut checking him and so forth. And but like that becomes my role. But in in the fact, I'm in just in awe of what he does every day. It's my favorite one. Jason sends me a text and he's like, "You don't even know how your man just crushed this this <laughs> meeting." <laughs> You guys are each other's like biggest support system. Which back is, to the point, if you don't have anyone to share it with, you yeah, know. it's. I I admire it so much. And you both have really taught me to, like Noah, you always say, no matter what you choose to do, just be the best at it. Like 
be the best that you can be, give it everything that you have. And I mean, you guys have been like the biggest role models for me to really step into my own power. And well, for also, what you've accomplished, I think we've done <laughs> I mean, quite a job here. <laughs> you have to always challenge like the growth element where it's like, okay, you've done this great thing. How can we expand it even more? And I think just the way you play off of each other now still to this day is... It's really inspiring. And you inspired a lot of people, you guys, because when I asked people questions, I was like so blown away. They were so good. We've covered a lot of them just organically. Well, you, Melissa. From the trenches of Marquis. <laughs> yeah. I was in the trenches too. That we've been able to help inspire you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Jason definitely got some competition when you came into the picture. <laughs> Now I have two people that I can trust with everything. Two people I can talk to about everything. So, no, but it's been it's it's been amazing how you guys met, and that's probably a whole other podcast. You did the other podcast, and how your relationship is, which is incredible. And I'm a part of it with you guys, and it's all it's all the proper family that we grew it up. Is. We came I up together. I always say Jason's yeah. just the second husband. I. Well, no one, I, I, could, no one I could not be more proud of what you've done. You guys don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Come on, you. Good podcast <laughs> no. without a couple of tears. No, I said I wouldn't cry. I said I wouldn't cry. It's actually funny, Jason, because I feel like I think I told you this before, but when we first, like when Noah and I first started dating, our relationship was so different. I, you were so different. I think you've really, you've mm-hmm. really just shifted into. I just think you're like a softer, more mindful person. I think a lot of it is the work that you do, but I I feel like it it's it was also like I was Noah's girlfriend. Like who who knew, you know, if I was going to be around. And not that you didn't like me, but I think you were so like sarcastic. And sometimes I like didn't think you liked me. But we were on this trip. I don't know if you remember this. You probably do. And I was so broken out. My skin was like covered in acne and I wouldn't leave the room. You were I was definitely like suffering. Crying. You were suffering it pretty bad. I yeah, I was like you. crying in the room. I didn't want to go to like a party. And Jason came into the room. I'll never forget this. And you were like, come into my bathroom. And you like made me put on this fresh oh my mask. God. Fresh, clay mask. fresh clay mask. By the way, it really did help. Umbra, umbra and you like something literally gave me your skincare and I like to ever since that day I was like okay he's a sweetheart like I love this guy the fact that he was like trying to help me with my skin I remember there was one time I think on that trip or another trip you and Noah had a little bit of a spat and you came to me and I we were walking like on a on a pier or something and he was ahead and I you and I had our yes we had our bond I was like no he's like this because of this you gotta understand this side and I gave you a perspective and yeah. we, you found a quick middle ground. And Jason's still that person for me. He's, he puts, <laughs> yeah, he checks me. Yeah, checks me real quick. And now seeing you with Benjamin and Eleanor mm-hmm. and just with your nieces, it's beautiful. You're so, so I'm good for the blessed. kids. Very blessed. And just softer. Isn't he, Noah? Don't you definitely. think? Definitely. I definitely have seen a big shift in Jason over the last probably 10 years. Um, I you don't understand. Part. He threw me to Vegas. I was <laughs> I was hard as a rock. I was in that club on the floor every night in a f- crazy city. What do you want me to be? <laughs> I, 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 I had to regroup. No, you I had did. To re, you, I had to regroup. You actually did. Like think, you had to reset. I, I, had to reset. I, I think Jason having a front row seat in our relationship mm-hmm. has also, you know, it's given him great like, perspective, a good perspective, and a good sort of guide, you know, to see, you know. To see, you know, just to see how it how it can work, and mm-hmm. you know, I think totally agree. it's um, you know, while he hasn't had a relationship like ours, and he's still not married, you know, I think it's shown him the other side of like being able to work and balance the family, and 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 Which being I'm in, in awe of how he does it because I live with it, but like both of you, obviously, it's the juggling act and the balancing and still having the closeness and the camaraderie and the love that you guys have. It's, it's, it's so amazing to watch. I, so hopefully by waiting a little longer than us, at least it'll be a little easier for him because he's had yes. all these years of, of, of learning from my watching. dad didn't get married till he was 50. And okay. shall see. your dad was quite a stud. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Richard was the man. I will. I, just have to say that when I did the Q&A, there were a lot of questions asking about you, Jason, but we'll leave that there. Okay. So because you're so big in wellness, mm-hmm. can you share just some things that 
are like your go-to to manage stress. I think we shared some of yours, Noah, but mm. just like because you're so passionate about taking care of yourself and you really live it and you breathe it, like give us like well, I mean, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think it's, I think it's a lot of, it's a, you mentioned this a lot of time. It's routine. You have to, you have to be religious and non-negotiable about your routine. Um, I probably go a little bit too far because I dive in and I get into the vortex a little bit on the biohacking, but some of the key things that have helped me a lot. Listen, when I first wake up, I scrape my tongue because I just arabatically want to get that out of my, Wait, my, 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 my mouth. Then I go up and I get sunlight right away. I have a trampoline in my outside area of Vegas and in, uh, and in, uh, in Venice where I do lymphatic jumping on the trampoline while I'm getting sunlight to set the clock. <laughs> this is so good. Then I go in and I do my meditation. I do TM. I've been practicing that for 10 years. We've, we've talked about mm-hmm. that. I'm pretty religious about that. Non-negotiable. And then non-negotiable is a one minute freezing cold shower every morning. Just the benefits from that, the dopamine spike, just the, the feeling I get from it. And then the discipline that comes from that is again, non-negotiable. I've recently started doing a gratitude journal, which I think is helpful after that. And then during the day when I really need energy or if I've been stressed out or if we had a rough day or if I was out the night before, I've been doing yoga nitra, which has been really helpful, which is, I think to me is like the most restful way to like reset any energy level. And then TM later on as well. And then obviously working out's important, five, six days of uh, resistance training, two days of like steady state cardio, that kind of stuff. I have a great sleep stack. Give it if you to want us. It. We all um, want it. Well, I take my probiotic at night on an empty stomach. What am I taking? It? Glycine, magnesium theranate, which is the only magnesium that breaks the blood barrier, blood-brain barrier. And then I take a little bit of melatonin. So that together is my sleep stuff. So you take the magnesium at night? Yeah. Yeah. I have it with caffeine in the morning. Taking is it the symbiotica? Take, no, or I take something different. Uh, I take a gyro, but... Um, Taking uh, L-theanine with your coffee also helps balance. So, yeah, yes, I take the freezing cold shower too. I mean, does does the morning routine? By sound the way, I'm leaving a lot babe? of it out because I don't want to freak out your guests, and everyone's different. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just giving no, you the basics here. Like, That's <laughs> why the no one probably doesn't know I do any morning. of that. My no, morning no routine you. is hug the kids, hug my wife, <laughs> have an espresso. You did have you did a meditation. Phone. You meditated today. Just admit it. Some on days, his own, I didn't even. Some days I meditate, especially on days that I'm spending time with you two. <laughs> so you get onto your, your wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> I think no one needs to meditate to just catch, catch the positive vibes. <laughs> okay. I do think we answered everything, like I said, organically, but people really wanted to know who calls Melissa out on her stuff more. Who calls? I mean, Noah, I think you. No, I mean I you do too, though. You're pretty like you'll be like, hey, you're acting a little like you've definitely sp- put me I, in if, my if, place. If I was here more, then it would be me, obviously. But I'm not here, <laughs> but I think definitely know it now. But if I'm around more, I think I would call you. I, w- I think we'd be pretty equal. I would agree with that. Uh. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. I know you. Uh, had a crazy day and your days are always insane so to take time out to be here to share you're going to inspire so many people and thank you I love you guys we love you I love you so much glad we came glad you came I ordered you food too All right. right. great thanks I really hope you enjoyed that episode you can follow me on Instagram at Melissa Wood Health And if you are new to me, you can sign up for the MWH seven-day free trial with access to over 300 plus categorized workouts and guided meditations, all available on melissawoodhealth.com.